Welcome, Dr. Laura Mass, to the podcast, The Wellbeing Coaches. It's a real pleasure to have you on this. So thank you for uh, coming on. Um, I'm glad to be here, really. I think it's. Uh, I think we're going to spread a, a message. Uh, I think this podcast is going to be full of interesting insights. So, yeah, Simon, now let's, let's roll with it. We're so, going for it. It's we, we, I, fit, I fit it in a quick little workout before this, okay? So, and then I uh, rushed up, put a shirt on. I was like, oh, now I'm warm. I shouldn't have done that. But still, we'll, uh, we'll press on straight away. We'll uh, so, sweat and silence. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I want to do is, uh, this is just to showcase you, um, your clinic. Um, um, I just want you to introduce who you are, what you do, um, and, and go from there. Okay. Um, well, I'm Dr. Lawrence Mass. I'm a qualified osteopath in the UK. I'm a qualified doctor of integrated medicine in the USA. I practice functional medicine, and um, I have a run a very successful clinic in uh, West Sussex. Um, I've been there now for, ooh, since, what, 2014? I mean, since like six, seven years now. And the clinic is uh, getting more and more popular. I think it's because functional medicine is getting more and more popular. People are understanding what it's really about. Um, when I came here back in 2014, uh, I'd already run a, a clinic in Barbados uh, very successfully uh, for about 20 years. Um, and then I had to come to England because of uh, schooling reasons for my kids, etc. because schooling in Barbados is not that great. It's much better over here. Um, so yeah, yeah, we closed up in Barbados and then we came over to um, the UK and uh, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing journey because uh, I've always been really interested in how the human body really works. Mm -hmm. um, I've had my fair share of experiences of the NHS um, and other sort of medical doctors in, and, and in large part, some really disappointing uh, you know, approaches and results. Um, and that's what got me really, really curious about how the body works. Uh, my story from when I was young is that I suffered from chronic headaches from around the age of seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. I mean, it just went out throughout my whole life. Um, and it got me asking questions about what could influence my headaches. I started getting really curious about food around the age of 10 and realizing that sweets and candies and junk food was really triggering it. So I kind of like already had an idea that food could influence, you know, how my migraines were working. But then another thing started to affect me, which was eczema. I started to develop really bad eczema um, and I delved into the food bit a bit more. I was about, oh, I must have been about 14 at the time. And uh, eventually came to this elimination process of there's something wrong with wheat. Every time I eat wheat, I react. So I cut out wheat at 14, 15, and it really helped. The, the eczema kind of subsided. Uh, and then there was another event that happened was um, my, I started getting, you know, not only sort of getting over my headaches and my eczema, but there was another thing that happened in my life that really started to trigger me to going into functional medicine in a big way, which was I kind of developed a tumour um uh, and this tumor was extremely painful i had to have surgery to remove it but it was one of these um coincidences where i started to have an insight into how and what was going on um and the tumor had formed actually where i had had a previous injection of penicillin which was kind of quite remarkable because it couldn't shake the coincidence although i'd had the penicillin injection 
you know, like 28 years before, yeah. fast forward into the future, I was like, what well, something's going wrong. And at like 27, 28, well, actually what happened was um, I sliced off the tip of my finger and that's where I'd got my uh, penicillin injection. Uh, but then 28 years later, this tumor forms. And I was like, yeah, what's the connection between penicillin and tumors? And fortunately, it was a benign tumor. It was a, it was a glioma, but nevertheless, it's extremely painful. I had the surgery and then I started, I just got into bioresonance at that point in my life. Um, I already qualified as a homeopath. And so this, you know, this tumor was a real conundrum for me. And and I started using uh, bioresonance machines. And when I actually tested the, um, the tumor before it was removed, um, I measured the radio wave off it and it actually came up with penicillin. It came up with another thing as well, which was candida. Uh, and, you know, like candida yeast. Yeah, um, yeah. And the computer was basically telling me that I had a whole bunch of candida. It was caused by penicillin. And when I start linking back to my headaches, there's a link between chronic candidiasis and headaches. There's also a link between chronic candidiasis and eczema. Mm -hmm. And, and then there's this linkage all the way back when to a penicillin injection. Um, and I started really sort of getting extremely curious thinking, well, the machine, the radio frequencies can't be lying. Mm -hmm. And I've had it already. I had the surgery removed. I had it identified as a glioma. And, and then I started getting into, are you the early days of Google and hunting for this information? What is the connection between penicillin and tumor formation? And what I came across was some amazing work from Professor Costantini from the World Health Organization, who wrote an amazing series of book called, books called Fungal Bionics. Um, and I managed to get copies of those. And in it, he describes huge amounts of studies after studies linking mycotoxins to cancer, heart disease, high cholesterol. And it really got me really thinking. I was thinking, why don't more people know this inf information? Why don't more GPs and doctors know this information from the World Health Organization? Um, and then I suddenly realized that actually there is a conflict within medicine, which is you've got your humanitarian doctors, doctors that really care, and then you've got your doctors that just do it for economics, they just do it for monetary reasons. Um, and when I actually looked at Costantini's publishers, he privately published it, his works. Uh, he, he didn't do it with a publishing house because I think that he knew that this information was so valuable about fungal bionics and how it links into the chronic diseases that humans are experiencing that he cautiously had it privately published and that in no uncertain terms would that private publisher ever sell to a pharmaceutical company like a publishing house could you know through a shell corporation could yeah. buy a publishing house and any books that were you know counter to the sales of pharmaceuticals could just be left on a shelf yeah. somewhere gathering dust and Costantini and uh and uh, what's his name uh, Dr Plink and uh Dr Viberg it's three really top doctors that wrote this amazing book, but Constantini is the head guy. And uh, yeah, and I think that he was doing it out of a out of a sake for humanity so that his information, his research was, would never be covered up. But it stands true that there are a lot of diseases that do relate to funguses. Um, and I explored this more. And in my uh, time in the trenches in Barbados, 
I saw a lot of clients with early cancer and candida and uh, penicillin damaged. And it was really kind of insightful. So then that's what inspired me to write the book um, and talk heavily about funguses, which was the, um, the hidden cure, the five laws of perfect health, which literally establishes more of what I saw in Costantini's, you know, major works. It's funny, I, actually, yeah. how that comes up. There's a, there's a trainer that I followed um, under for some time. Uh, you may have heard of him, he's American, but Paul Check. Oh, yes. The Czech Institute. Yeah. Czech Institute. Yeah. Health coaches. But it was interesting, actually, just come up on uh, Instagram. He was talking about fungus this morning. So how they they correlate, you know, and um, it's interesting. You've just brought that up today. I literally watched it this morning. So um, yeah. it, it's interesting. So your journey uh, past and present and now your professional career, um, you know, what probably led you uh, obviously you've set up the mass clinic and let's touch in more into kind of what the mass clinic does uh well uh, initially it was really heavily osteopathic um and then i started getting into nutrition and homeopathy <clears throat> and looking at allergies and really tailoring people's diets to their uh, allergy testing mm. which was which was re- which worked for me i kind of had to do it through the sherlock holmes the process of elimination but, you know, you could take blood tests and you can actually find out what your body think, well, what your immune system thinks of your food choices. Mm. And so I explored that yeah, as part of my nutrition. Uh, and then I started getting really sort of heavily into the bioresonance and, and exploring the quantum field, the radio fields that are coming off the human body. So in a way, my education was, you know, osteopathic, very mechanical about gravity movement forces muscles you know treatment techniques uh and then it kind of moved into how do you feed the body so i did the nutrition then i went into the homeopathy and then the computerized homeopathy and talking about uh, teaching about bioresonance and this was just amazingly insightful because here i was trying to understand the human body on more subtler and subtler levels Mm. um and so we went from osteopathic to osteopathic nutrition then we went to osteopathic nutrition immunology. Uh, it eventually sort of blended into endocrinology. So I do a lot of um, adrenal testing and thyroid testing to try and rebalance the hormones. Um, and, and then it kind of moved into the brain stuff, the neurotransmitters, the causes of depression and anxiety and sleep disorders. Um, so in my journey, I've kind of like explored many, many areas and kind of sussed them got really qualified into them and then and slowly i've been building this very very integrated picture uh and that was actually my last degree was the doctor in integrated medicine that i completed in america in 2017 and uh yeah and that i I feel like like almost understand everything i mean there's more to learn about the human body but i i've sussed a very good way a method of how to get it back into balance and it's not only just with people with you know, allergies and autoimmune and chronic gut problems and hormonal problems. Um, it, it was it was a bit run of the mill, so to say. I mean, I was seeing these clients day in, day out. Mm. Uh, and then perchance something really interesting happened. Um, as you know, I'm really well into surfing. <laughs> and one day, when this was in Barbados, one day um, I, I, I was kind of like thinking, oh, you know, it's like coincidences, like you said about Paul Check and mycotoxins and fungi and how, how toxic they are. Well, it was a coincidence that happened. And, um, and, and I was thinking, well, what would my program do, you know, for an athlete? 
you know, ha- I mean, does my mass method actually work for athletes? I mean, we've got the really sick people. I know they're getting bad, better from cancer, heart disease, cholesterol problems, allergies, autoimmune, burnout, adrenal burnout. So many people have that. And I was thinking, can, could I apply this to an athletic world? And it was a little bit later that day. I got a phone call. It was a Sunday. And I got a phone call from a friend called Stuart Stout, a surfer, another fellow surfer. And he said to me, hey, you know, Kelly Slater has really injured his neck. Um, I know it's Sunday. He's going to put you out of your way. But could you see him? And I knew who Kelly Slater was. At that time, he was six-time world surfing champion. And uh, and I said, yeah, no problem at all. I mean, I was literally waxing my board, ready to go out to catch some waves. And I said, well, I can't come over now, but if you just give me an hour, let me just get some waves. And, you know, can you, can you ask Kelly if I can just grab some waves and, and then I'll meet him, you know, a couple of hours later. And Kelly said, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I totally understand. I'll just hold off with the pain. Uh, so I had my surf session and then flew back home, really excited knowing I was going to be treating the six time world surfing champion. And it was so bizarre that morning I'd been thinking about how would the program work for yeah. athletes. And of course, you know, I knew it would, um and so i met kelly slater and we got talking i fixed his neck and then i uh, you know in those early days i was getting into functional medicine i i, I recognized that kelly was actually burnt out you know uh, i look at a lot of uh, pro surfing competition and and i could see that his stats were just getting lower and lower he was competing really heavily against a, a rival called andy irons it was a huge rivalry that lasted for years uh, and kelly was certainly a lot older than Andy I mean Kelly was 33 at the time approaching the normal retirement age for a surfer uh Andy Irons his rival was 23 at the time he'd already bagged three world championships he was the the fast favorite um and, and as Kelly as I was consulting with Kelly I asked him I said look you know I, I can see you're burnt out um you know I've got this program that really works with adrenal burnout it's no surprise that you're burnt out you've been on the competition circuit since you were 20 you know, you've been running it for 13 years. Out of those 13 years, six championships. I mean, going on the world tour is extremely tiring. Many time zones, you know, different foods, etc. And I said to him, I said, you know, if you can follow my program and if we do this remotely, it could really improve your performance and you could actually end up winning this year. And of course, the year that I'm talking about is 2005. And so... He said, how long is it going to take? And I said, well, uh, give me give me like three or four days to do, you know, all the workups, you know, sort his bones out, sort his nutrition out, do all the allergy testing, uh, figure out what is his perfect food plan, and then also go into the quantum field and figure out exactly what to change with his biofrequencies. Um, and he was really, really curious. And he said, right, I'm going to go for it. And so we agreed. And, uh, yeah, he went through the whole mill of tests and treatments um, and yet yeah, later that year in 2005, he got his seventh world championship and we've been, remained you know, friends since then. I give him a lot of advice. He's gone on to win the eighth, ninth, 10th and 11th world championship. Um, I know he's gunning for his 12, but he's a little bit old now, yeah. in my opinion. And uh, he doesn't you know, know. Well, yeah, he's just, <laughs> a bit, well, he's 50 years old. Come on. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's extended his career from 33 to 50. And so for me, my career, this is a tremendous achievement working alongside with Kelly and him proving the techniques actually worked for athletes just as worse as what they work for people with cancer, autoimmune or burnout. Uh, and so it was really inspirational. 
Um, and I worked with other surfers like Stephanie Gilmore. I got her to a seventh world championship. Uh, that was back in 2018. I worked with Geordie Smith. I worked with uh, a couple of actors and actresses and pop stars. And um, you'll just have to work it out. Take that as you know, for an example. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just dropping names. But anyway, so no, the, why not? Got, why not? Yeah, well, just um, throw it out there. So, you know, it, it really is about, you know, how to improve health. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a pop star or an athlete, pro surfer, housewife, builder, you know, air traffic controller, ambulance worker, you know, diver. I mean, I've treated them all. And at the end of the day, there's some really hard and fast rules about how the human body truly works. And if you really want to make the body super healthy and energized, because it all comes down to energy. Mm. I mean, people have an energy crisis, yeah, with gas and electricity. But people have also got an energy crisis now post-COVID. Yeah. I mean, we know that COVID causes mitochondrinopathies. It, the COVID virus actually damages the mitochondria, the cells powerhouses. So what I see a lot of now currently is a lot of uh, people with long COVID. They've got mitochondrial damage, you know, so I've got to get in there, figure out the biochemistry of what's required to actually reboot the mitochondria. And I do this with athletes as well. It's no different. And, it, and the same advice that I say to a long COVID client, I say, well, look, once you've got your mitochondria up and running and I've got and I've calculated all the specialized B vitamins that you need. And I'd say that to also to an athlete. Yeah. So then you've got to basically, you know, find time to do some really deep infrared work, you know, infrared lamp therapy. And that becomes the, the wavelength that actually activates the mitochondria and it, and it switches the mitochondria from burning, you know, sugars and lactic acid to actually making a lot more ATP. So burning sugars is about four ATPs, whereas if you burn uh, fats and supplements, it basically can converts to around 36 ATP. And this is really important. And to activate it, you need infrared lamp in, in actual infrared wavelength to, to reboot it. And the infrared penetrates and it actually gets the whole cytochrome pathways going. And this is really, really important because not only will it improve athletic performance by five to 10%, and also with cardiovascular improvements and improvements after workouts as well. But also somebody who's suffering from autoimmune or chronic EBV, you know, I really harp on about the electromagnetic dimension. We, we know the benefits of UV light, you know, with vitamin D activation, it makes us feel really good, raises serotonin. But that's, that's a light frequency. It's an electromagnetic wave. And it's, in, it's on the opposite scale of the spectrum of infrared. So you've got the violet and you've got the infrared and everybody knows about the violet. And if you have too much, you can cause skin cancers, but not many people know about infrareds. You know, some of the athletes do uh, a lot of the Swedes do, you know, cause they have saunas and they've been culturally doing that for thousands of years, um, knowing that heat really benefits the other sort of um, culture that kind of explored this in its early form was moxibustion with traditional Chinese medicine and actually heating up above that acupuncture point would basically cause vasodilation and improve the acupuncture meridian. So yeah, I think that uh, infrared, whether it's for an athlete or it's for a housewife with autoimmune, it's really, really important. And I really encourage all my clients to purchase their own lamps and do their work, especially in wintertime as the, as the weather gets colder in Chinese, it's literally going more yin. And of course, infrared is a yang machine. Exercise is yang. It's like vascular. It's like heat. 
you know, and all of that comes from ultimately the mitochondria. And the mitochondria, yeah, they're so important. They're like little cocktail sausages within our cells, and they're really, really important, in, you know, in creating good amounts of energy. And, and I energy, yeah, sorry, you're sharp. Because I am um, coming into your clinic, come back to your clinic, because it is me being a bit of a country bumpkin, and I know. Um, uh, there's some clinics out there that exist in London, but coming, I, I, I come into your clinic, you know, and you, you yeah. are really thankful for that because it was an amazing, it was absolutely amazing eye opener because I've not seen anything like it before. <laughs> Thank it, you. It was, it was a, it was a really well, you know, and I think it comes to the point of, you know, when you enter into a place and you feel welcome you know your your place is done very well with the reception and it is that welcome response but it's more the fact that when you and I'll, I'm going to post some videos into this conversation but um that, that I took on the date but that process of how you come in how you're treated then the element of your testing and the knowledge that you went through it was so well put together in the sense of we looked at and you'll be able to tell me in a little bit more detail, but we looked at my uh, red blood cell counts to be on the screen and, yeah. and you zoomed in on that microscopic analysis and really broke down the detail. And what I thought was again, amazing was how you, that knowledge of getting a test, like, you know, when you, we all know going to get a blood test at a GP, we have to wait or phone the reception and just double check if they're in yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was a case of, it was like Superman changing in the uh, phone box because instantly they were uploaded to your screen in your consultation room. And uh, I, it took me a while just to get over that. So, <laughs> uh, and, and, and for me, yeah, it was, I left and I had to, I really had to kind of um, process everything before I left because it was so, Mind. so fine tuned. Yeah. Um, there's nothing exists like that or that I've come across anyway, you know? Yeah, I know. It's, it's really uh, a really good formula. I mean, it's, it's, it's well honed. It's tried and tested. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not into bullshit. I'm really into, can you prove it? Is the evidence there? What is the shape of the red blood cells? How are the red, white blood cells moving? Yeah. You know, you can actually see them live like an animal in the wild and you can see what it's interacting with. You can see the quality of the actual blood. And then, of course, to the left of the microscope, we had that uh, like white machine that was basically yes. the actual CBC analyzer. And that actually numerically told us exactly how many neutrophils, how many lymphocytes, how many monocytes and eosinophils and basophils. Because in, in essence, we have five soldiers that protect us. These five soldiers are swimming around this fluid tissue called blood. And their job is to protect us from bacteria, viruses, fungi, allergies, parasites. And so we can zoom in on them physically with our eyeballs and you were witness to that, which is, you know, lots and lots of super fun. But then you can actually get the mathematics coming through to tell us, OK, so what's really going on? Inform us about which soldiers are increasing in ranks and, and whichever soldier is increasing in rank, you can interpret their job. So, for example, if the neutrophils were really high, you know, on the CBC analyzer, then that would point towards that there was a bacterial infection. Yeah. Or if it was eosinophils that were high, their main job is looking for allergies. And then so the interpretation would be, okay, there's, there's undiagnosed allergies. And of course, now knowing and understanding quite intimately live in that moment in time, you know, 
and what's happening with that person's immune system, you can give some really good directions on how to start fixing things. So mm. if it's bacterial, they can go on an antimicrobial program and reduce the bacteria that's in their guts because oftentimes it's SIBO, like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And that has a whole slew of problems like hives and brain fog and arthralgia and histamine problems and palpitations and really bad wind. And um, I mean, it's just really bad when people get uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. But then again, it, you know, it could be something like allergies and they never knew that they were allergic to cucumbers or beetroot, you know. And so we would get their, their, their blood tested again further yeah. and actually ask that question. OK, what is it specifically that's ticking off these eosinophils? Mm. And then the patient gets a list just like a traffic light. Green is good. Yellow is kind of like be really careful. And then red is stop eating this food item. And that becomes their nutritionist, their immune system actually becomes their nutritionist. And so they go on a desensitizing food plan. And then we can see the numbers change, you know, with periodic testing on the immune profile. And we can see those eosinophils or those neutrophils actually decrease once the bacteria have died off, once the allergies have been desensitized. You know, so I really like to have real time feedback, really know what's going on. Not not this policy of you know, oh, call the clinic in three weeks, your blood test results might be back. And then when you do call in, it's just like, no, everything's within range. Everything's normal. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. Well, how, why do I feel so messed up? Why have I got this headaches? Why do I have this gastric reflux if my blood test results are normal? Well, what I found out, this is all part of it way, way back when. We're talking like now in, oh, 1998, 1999. I made friends with a naturopathic doctor, a guy called Dr. Dickon Weatherby. He's got a great series of book all about blood chemistry. In fact, Dickon took me under his wing and he became a mentor for a bit. He's totally inspirational. And he was absolutely uh, rock solid in explaining to me the difference between, you know, uh, the lab ranges that are two standard deviations on a bell-shaped curve yeah. and then where integrated medicine where functional medicine works on which is one standard deviation it's much more narrower it doesn't go to the edges of the curve on the edges of the curve is outright disease and so when you go to see a gp or you know a, a doctor you know in spe a specialist doctor they're usually going to be looking for outright disease mm. and that's why they'll come back and they'll say well no, your bloods are normal that's kind of fine there's no there's no full disease but they miss out on the functionality yeah. So those people who are in the, their results are in the one and a half standard deviation. They, they start to have symptoms coming through. Uh, and, and that was really, really key in that insight was that the approach of functional medicine, integrated medicine was really about getting that client back into optimum range. And the optimum range is not the same as the lab ranges. The lab ranges are designed to detect disease and pathology. Whereas in functional medicine, it's like, let's keep you in optimum health. But then one approach really advocates food, lifestyle changes, you know, it's, it's personal responsibility, supplements, stuff like that. Uh, the other one uh, emphasizes surgery, drugs, you know, kind of like hospital management. And, and I think those humans that are wise basically have now clocked onto the fact that food does really influence the level of health. You know, our, our lifestyle choices, the company that we keep, how much we meditate, how much we do yoga, how much infrared do we do? I mean, that's those are all the practices that are going to keep us within that kind of narrow optimum range. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I encourage all my, my clients to follow is 
I'm, I'm really re I'm, I'm teaching them how their body works, why their body's not working, what to do, what to eat to actually fix it, and what ancillary modalities would really help, like aligning the spine, neck treatments, infrared, maybe some acupuncture, pulsed electromagnetic frequencies. But we always come back to the optimum ranges, which is if that client is really doing better on my program, you will see it statistically from comparative blood tests. So they'll have blood tests in January, then they'll repeat it in March, and then they'll repeat it in June. And what we want to see is a trending of that person's dysfunctionality coming back into optimum range. Uh, and then I know that I've got them back into great health. And they'll, they see it. They sleep better. They shit better. Their, their relationships are better. They have more energy. You know, they, they start loving their lives. They start loving their bodies. A lot of people that come to see me are so chronically ill that they feel and, and, I've, and I've had this, I've noticed this, uh, this is like an insight, is that a lot of them feel that their bodies betrayed them. Mm. Yeah. And it, they betrayed their bodies. And, and it couldn't, it might have been their fault. They could have been involved in a terrible car accident as a passenger. They mm. just were the wrong person in the wrong time, wrong situation. Or it could be that they had too many antibiotics and they formed a tumor. Or, you know, it, it kind of like, it's kind of tough, but the truth is it really comes down to the simple truth of our bodies function off good food, good water, good company. Um, and I think we've gone so far down this pharmaceutical track and now come full circle knowing that it really yeah. doesn't cure. It only treats symptoms. Um, and that's really kind of like sucky because a lot of people want to actually live their lives fully. And it's living their lives fully means taking responsibility um, and, and the discipline. And when I say responsibility and discipline, I say it to my clients that responsibility is the ability to respond. That's what responsibility It's not about having something really heavy on your shoulders and bearing you down. The responsibility thing is, do you have the ability to respond to the information from the blood chemistries, the stool testing, all this data, and actually work with me to, to create a better outcome for the future. And when I say discipline, I just say, well, discipline is just love anyway. If you love what you do, you'll be disciplined about it because you love what you do. And if you love what you do, you're going to do it really well. And that's the end point for my clients because they become well. They and become I, well again. I think, you know, and I think what, what you are doing as well is that um, – you are you know as you say you're passionate about this subject uh, it's something that you love and I think that's quite infectious that you put on to your clients and not only I think it's the detail but you spending the time with people to not just identify those problems but you know you're telling them how to fix it and I think that is uh, that's really key um You've just led me on to the next question really nicely. It's flown well because I, the future of kind of well-being and vitality uh, is kind of a two part of the question. But uh, that one, what you think that is and the problems that, you know, we think we're going to face in the future. OK, so the future of well-being uh, in a nutshell, it's literally going to be integrated. Yeah. It's the only way, whether you look at it on a level like combining Western medicine and Eastern medicine, which is my preferred way of doing it or if it's well-being from the perspective of looking at a very Western way, which is genetics. I'm really heavily getting into genetics. It's one of my pet projects now. 
and I love it. I, it, it does really explain a lot. Um, it's a new area, as you know, genetics. There are a lot of people are actually looking at their genetics, like 23andMe and Ancestry and stuff like that. And I think it's really, really valid. But uh, on a medical functional level, you can actually take genetic tests to tell you what genes you inherited in how you process your proteins or your folate or how well you can detox. Uh, you can also take gene tests to, to tell you how much serotonin is being coded or, and how much dopamine is being coded. I see a lot of clients that have low, uh, low serotonin codes um, and they have high COMT codes or high dopamine codes. Uh, and, and I'll say to them when I'm reading their genetics, is it's almost like doing a tarot spread or like a crystal ball, you know, but this is real. I mean, this is real tangible, you know, evidence and because it's genetic. I mean, if they took the test again, it would come up with the same answers. The genetics stay the same, but it's about nature and nurture. And you can nurture your genetics to a different expression. So I had a client the other day who has the low serotonin and high dopamine mix. And I told them, well, if you take Sam E, it'll lower the dopamine. And if you take 5-HTP, it'll raise the serotonin. Mm -hmm. And and they have really experienced some really beneficial uh, psych changes. They're sleeping better because serotonin creates melatonin. You know, so there's a natural overspill coming through. So they're feeling better, more joyful during the day, like a natural kind of Prozac, which is all based on recycling serotonin. But genetically, if that person is a so low serotonin producer, well, not to hook them on Prozac or Zoloft or Paxil, but to actually answer the genetics and give them the right amount of 5-HTP that will shore up and actually sort of start flooding that defective system. And then they start actually building more serotonin. Serotonin then flows into melatonin, so it cascades into a better sleep process. But then serotonin is also really, really important for bowel movements as well. It's, serotonin is not only about joy, and feeling blissful but serotonin is also about creating the peristaltic wave for the poo yeah. so you've got this interaction of serotonin during the day then it converts into melatonin at night they get seven and a half eight hours sleep and then what happens an hour after getting up the bowel movement comes through and this is really important because on a genetic level it would explain why people get depressed and why they get constipated <laughs> a orthodox way is just put them on prozac and put them on laxatives but my way is like, no, 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 you go deeper. You go looking for the serotonin production and evaluate it. And then you go looking at, at how the bowels are actually registering this. You look at the bowel microbiome. So it's a much more integrated system, you know, and it really comes down to um, just looking deeper. Uh, you know, the answers are there. Uh, but uh, sorry, got a little call coming in here. Oops, she's come off. That's great. But the bottom line, yeah. Oh, and again, sorry about this. That's it. So popular, do you see? That's they're trying to get hold of you already. It's just my daughter, really. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's probably just trying to get in touch with her mother. <laughs> if the truth be told. But yeah, it really comes down to um, yeah, it's really sort of digging down. I mean, people people hire me because I'm more of a detective than a doctor. That's a great statement. Yeah, that's it. And I think people really are now being, you know, more aware, whether it's, you know, I think that pandemic definitely shifted people's mindsets, whether or not it was they just spent a lot of time just reflecting, spending with their families, you know, even work related is probably why when they're trying to do employment now, they're looking at all the benefits around, you know, the job, 
uh, does it have health care so forth and it's a it's a real mindset shift and i think this kind of 2022 onwards people are so much more wanting to be more aware you know of their wellness their health mm-hmm. um, and that's why i think it's trending you know it is a huge trending subject well, I think I think it comes down to a couple of things, which was um, the vaccines didn't do what they said, what was said on the tin. We know that there's been a lot of injuries as a result of it. There's a lot of athletes that have died from clots and they're young athletes. And it's just the statistics are just ridiculous. They're kind of being covered up. But we know that. I mean, thank goodness we've got sort of like other feeds of media besides the major media houses. And we know that where there's smoke, there's fire. And I myself, not only have I seen this on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, people sharing stories, but I've also seen it in my clinic in the trenches. I see a lot of clients that basically are vaccine damaged and I have to go in there and start hunting for the vaccine because the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, the corona has a particular signature to it. Um, And I will, you know, once I balance up their um, sort of chemistries, then I can hook them up to the, uh, you know, the radio frequency scanner. Um, And as long as I can generate the signal of the COVID vaccine and I've got it on the database, I'll ping it through the client and then a ping comes back and it tells me where this vaccine is actually causing disturbances. So it could be in heart tissue, lung. There's a lot of ACE2 receptors also in the brain, a lot of ACE2 receptors in ovaries. A lot of women were suffering from menstrual issues from the spike proteins, whether the spike protein came from the COVID or Omicron or Delta or whether it came from a simulation, which was the vaccine, the spike protein is going to dock onto an ACE2 receptor. And, and this, and this, these ACE2 receptors are really, really important. I think um, looking back, because hindsight's always clear sight, uh, looking back, I think there was a, a, an enormous amount of naivety on the um, vaccinologist's perspective, thinking that the spike protein would be built by the human body and then it would dock onto the ACE2 receptor and then it would literally just pick off and, and that would be it. The body would learn. Um, but it was really, really naive because what we've now realized just by the sheer bulk of people that are basically complaining of fatigue syndromes and mitochondrial neuropathies post-vaccination. And that's just to name a few because we've had people with uh, pulmonary valve issues, shortness of breath. They've got pleuritis uh, and, and it's come out of nowhere. I've got people who have massive herpes flare up. Um, and you know, it's there, you can see all the vesicles, everything's really awful. And I'll say to the client, I said, well, when did you ever have herpes? They said, I've never had herpes. I said, well, okay, let's go back. When did you last have chicken pox? And they said, I was five. And that 58 year old client is, is just complete. And I said, well, that's it. Mm-hmm. I said, chicken pox is herpes. It's the same family. And I said, but why does it come out a day after I've just been vaccinated? And I said, well, one virus or one vaccine disturbs the stability of another vaccine that's been stabilized and is dormant. And so it aggravates it and reactivates it. So we see a lot of people with vaccine issues. And so I have to go hunting for them, um, for these, uh, for these vaccine codes. Um, and, and I'll know when the client's better, simply because of the fact their mitochondria are going to be working. They've been doing lots and lots of infrared and, you know, B vitamins and CoQ10. Uh, and, and also I know the client's going to be better because that no more echoes will come through from that Corona vaccine signal. It literally just diminishes to nothing. And then that person is, is really good. And 
I'm so just that's thinking, the takeaway take is, you know, people can improve. Uh, yeah, they can. It's yeah. it's it's really hard work. I mean, the sooner that you can get to the situation yeah. and start sorting out the mitochondria, the ACE2 receptors, fixing the gut, because a lot of people long COVID, they get SIBO, yeah. you know. And, and I had lots of clients that were like, why, when I had a virus, why would I get a chronic gut infection? And I said, well, 70% of your immune systems in your gut lining, Mrs. Jones. Yeah. You know, if you get attacked by a virus or allergies, it's still going to affect your gut lining. It doesn't matter. And why? Because your immune system needs that 70% of real estate that's actually physically in the tubing to empower the immune system. And if it's being attacked on the ACE2 receptors and there's lots of ACE2 receptors on the gut lining, well, the gut lining goes dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. So we all know our gut lining creates powerful immunity. This is why food choices are so important. You know, junk food creates a junk immune system. Organic food creates an organic immune system. Yeah. And, and our whole program has been organic. I mean, I mean, it's just like the mass industrialization of humanity. I mean, has really led us down this path of where we've moved away from the organic. Uh, we're coming back full circle because we're just realizing that it is the way that we should live. But, yeah, we went through this whole industrialization pharmaceutical pathway uh, and, and we're now seeing the effects of it. I mean, you, you know about glyphosate and Roundup. We know it's linked to autoimmune and increase in cancers and Alzheimer's. Like the, You can't hide the statistics. The smoking gun is there. Yeah. You know, chemical, you know the, Dr. Zach Bush, I mean, he was an oncologist doctor who was working on building chemotherapeutic drugs. Yeah. And he realized that the very same compounds that he was designing in the lab were the very same compounds that organic soils were making naturally by the bacteria. Yeah. You know, and so this we, we, we've got to go back to nature, back to organic, back to Gaia. Um, but we're going to do, yeah, sorry, you're sure. Back. And, uh, and it's interesting because I, um, you know, the education background of, uh, you know, fitness training and getting people up to level three training as a personal trainer, that personal trainers are going to always only, you know, guide someone. Uh, but it is interesting because when you look back at some of the qualifications that we're still kind of then providing, sometimes that that old level of knowledge is still being taught, you know. And I I always say to the students come through is it's a driving test. You know, you don't when you finish that driving test, it's not you're not an amazing driver. You just got to keep learning you've got to keep testing challenge status quo because otherwise you know it's not all in that manual you know uh the food pyramid <laughs> um, yeah. you know it's scary because you 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 do look back um at some of the stuff what you learned and you think wow that's old really uh, yeah and a lot of it was lobbied i mean the food pyramid was lobbied and heavily influenced by yeah. money by the dairy industry and the you know the meat industry you know so they really overemphasized it exactly but it's kind of sucky but the money thing isn't it exactly that uh, i want to get this perfect the next one is uh daily habits um to keep your optimum health yeah now i appreciate that people need to um obviously the the, the key is to understand what's going inside their body but what what would you say kind of Let's talk about your daily habits. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah let's do that. <laughs> because it's always interesting. Okay. Uh, first thing in the morning, let's take me take me through a day. Yeah, go there. I want to go there. I'm, <laughs> I'm chomping at the bit, mate. I really, this is, I mean, this is so predictable. I do this every day. 
Right. I mean, I mean, I've had a tumor. I've had candida. You know, I'm in an amazing place of health and fitness right now. And, and, and of course, it comes down to those daily habits. It's the daily lifestyle habits that actually keep the hormones in balance. It's really important. So I wake up, right? I usually wake up around 530 I get up, I've got the animals downstairs, you know, they're meowing and they're woofing and stuff. So I pet them. So I'm already sort of like getting my oxytocin going. So I'm with the pets. Of course, I'll then end up feeding the, cat, uh, the cats. I'll switch the kettle on and then I'm going to make myself some organic mocha and coffee, you know, and then I'll mix that with coconut milk, organic, of course. Uh, and so I've got my little beverage. The cats have stopped meowing because they're now feeding. The dogs are going to have to wait till seven because that's their feeding time. But I'll just play with them, pet them a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, um, I'm then going to check maybe emails and or no, actually, the first thing I'm going to do is going to check my URA score and see how how good, how well I slept, how much depth I got. Um, and then I noticed that couple, on your finger, actually, I was going uh, yeah, to talk about yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm such a geek. I've got both. I've got the Apple. I've got the Ura. You know, okay. I'm, so into the stats. <laughs> I'm tracking it all the time. For those uh, of people who don't know that, this is sleep tracker, isn't it? As a ring. Uh, as a yeah. Tech. Well, I'm actually yeah. going to do a podcast on tech and it's including that. So uh, that was oh, a little absolutely. shameless plug on there. Yeah, no, it's so good. Uh, you know, backstory on that one was uh, back in Stockholm when we were attending one of the um, uh, biohackers conferences there. It was really, really good um yeah it was kind of interesting because it, they, they had lots of things on and it was really kind of like juicy tech and but we gravitated to the uro one of the smallest things you know there was all these beds and things and gadgets you could use but we gravitated to this uro because it's just so convenient um and and i started talking to the guys there and saying my god this is a really genial idea you know how did it come about well actually i was talking to the uh, director i can't remember his name but he, but he's the director and he he said Oh yeah, it's uh, old uh, out of work Nokia engineers, and I was like, "What?" And I said, "Yeah, we were out of work. You know, iPhone. You know, the black. The bl what was it called? The black. Um, there was the competitor. What was it? It's the funny keyboard one. Um, uh, Blackberry. Blackberry. Yeah, yeah the Blackberry. Yeah. Uh, and then iPhone took over, and and so we had all these Nokia engineers that are out of work. And a couple of us got together and we thought, what could we create that's really going to really work? You know, and they came up with the Ura rings, sort of. So they were what? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's so awesome. I really love it. And so now I'm wearing Gen Three. I've gone through Gen One, Gen Two, Gen Three. Okay. Yeah, it's got the oximeter on it now as a feature. So it's got real-time heart rate monitoring, so it's it's kind of competing with the uh, old Apple Watch. Yeah, it, it can't do is uh, Ura Ring can't tell the time. But I imagine in the future they're probably going to have a digital version where you can just touch it and it will just come up with the time or something. Well, you've just given them an idea now. If they well, there you go. Well, yeah, five percent for me for the originating <laughs> the idea, please. <laughs> you know, sorry, sorry I digress. You've checked your you've checked your Ura Ring. You've checked your sleep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, I've had a couple of sips of the mocha, and then what happens is I get the bowel movement coming through. And so then I go to the bathroom, and I've got, I use a squatty potty. You know what a squatty potty is? So it basically elevates your knees towards your chest. Yeah. Um, and, and in all humans and in mammals, we have this ligament called the puborectal ligament. And it's a ligament that basically, when the hips are folded up towards the chest, it actually opens the pipe. If the knees are away from the chest, then basically that ligament's going to close the pipe partially. And if somebody stands up, then the whole poop chute is closed. 
Yep. So this pubal rectal ligament is really, really important. Um, and it was something that I'd learned in India when I went traveling there. And I was, you know, going out, I was ashram hopping and meditating, doing lots and lots of yoga. when I was like 18, 19 years of age. Um, but squatting was really, really normal. Um, and so we squat here in our house um, and it really helps with the bowel movements. Uh, after that, I'll do some emails. I'll finish off my coffee. Uh, I'll do a little bit of uh, yeah, medical reports from the previous day and just finish them off. Uh, then I'm going to throw some breakfast together. So it's either going to be organic granola with blueberries and strawberries with some coconut milk. If I'm doing kind of like a cereal carby kind of day, or if I'm going to go for more like a protein kind of day, I'm going to have two eggs, Tabasco, balsamic sauce, um, a little bit of celery, egg salt, you know, for the flavor, because I like some sort of punchy meal. And then I have a little bit of romaine lettuce and some cucumber and some beets to kind of balance up the protein with the green. And then after that, it's going to be, you know, getting in the car and going to the clinic. I'm going to do three hours. So I'll do it till 12, 12, 15. I'll have lunch, which is usually sushi or some fish or, uh, yeah, it's like salmon, coleslaw, more beets, more salad, more greens. Um, and that's pretty much it. I usually have fish for lunch because I like to keep it light. Yeah. Um, and then I'm back to work at one. Uh, seeing clients um, and analyzing chemistries and doing bioresonance, et cetera. And then I get back, you're usually around 4.15, 4.30. Um, and then when I'm not on a podcast, for example, I will be playing with the dogs, uh, having a cup of rooibos tea because that's very antibacterial. It keeps the microbiome nicely balanced uh, without getting the old caffeine hit from it, you know. Yeah. So caffeine in the morning is cool, but caffeine after 12 it sucks. Yeah, it, it completely distorts melatonin cycles. So you know, if, I, if I have a hot beverage, it's usually rooibos. Um, Dandelion is a favorite one of mine now as well because it's so good for liver and kidneys. Uh, and then pretty much I'll start writing my reports, my medical reports, um, and then it's pretty much wrapping that up, playing with the dogs more. Uh, I might go to the gym because I've got my own little personal gym set. So I might work out for 20, 25 minutes, do some resistant band work, push-ups, uh, bench press, incline, or leg extension, uh, hammies, um, lat pull-downs, bent over rows, uh, flies. Um, and I try to compact it really, really tight. I want it in about like that whole Tabata kind of approach. Like, yeah. uh, like 15 minutes, done. You know, I've done all my sets, four, four body parts sets, right? Uh, and then after that, it's, it's going to be dinner uh, yeah. and with the kids. Um, yeah. And then we have something really healthy. You know, it's usually going to be uh, meat or it's going to be uh, chicken, uh, organic, of course, uh, three vegetables, a salad on the side and usually a really healthy carb for, that suits an O blood. You know, so for us, it's like yam, potatoes, mm. uh, turnips, parsnips. Um, yeah. And then pretty much it's chuck down my supplements all the while breakfast, lunch and dinner. I've been chucking down my supplements uh, throughout the day, I take my pregnenolone as well, and which is my adrenal hormone. Uh, and then I take a, a tiny amount of DHEA. It's usually one milligram. Mm. Um, and that just keeps me going through the day. Uh, and, and then uh, it's dinner. And then it's pretty much a movie, uh, you know, something like a series, maybe oh, something like Grand Designs, if I want to be really sort of chill and relaxed, you know. But if I want something a bit more stimulating, I'll look at a, you know, um, historical, you know, drama or something like that, you know, mm. Downton Abbey. I try not to look at too much violent stuff at, at night, um, simply because the fact it's too overstimulating. It's too yeah. much dopamine coming through. It's going to screw up my sleep pattern, you know. So I don't really want I really want to wind down the day with something really relaxing and, you know, and I like, you know, knowing about houses and construction and, you know, I, I, I like Kevin McLeod. I think he's a really good presenter. 
um you know so yeah it's just yeah it's it's it, that's what's, pretty much my what, day what's bedtime bedtime's usually yawning at around sort of like 9 30 9 45 and then i'm i'm, I'm like brushing my teeth I take a couple of spritzes of 5-HTP to nudge my serotonin, melatonin. I take one drop of uh, melatonin, which is the equivalent of around, I think, 0.35 micrograms. It's mm. tiny, but it is, you know, the less is more principle. You just need that little ticket at the right time. Yeah. And then I sleep like a log. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And then the, the, the whole groundhog starts again. I've just got all these habits in place. Um, and it maintains, you know, amazing excellence of health. And I can see it. I can see it in my own blood chems. I mean, I take my blood chems regularly. I check my stools. I check my hormones regularly. I want nothing more than a fantastically healthy life full of energy, you know, because we only get 100 years. So you, the more energy you have, the better your digestion, the better your lifestyle choices, then the more fulfilled you feel. And it's, it, it is fascinating because you are living proof of it because, you know, when I was at your clinic, I mean, it was a short period of time, but it was a case of you, you have to be fully uh, coherent, fully, you know, firing on all cylinders because you, you know, you had next client, next client <laughs> and you were, yeah. you know, and, and you were performing top peak, you know, so it was interesting to ask about your habit. Reliance is really knowing how my adrenals work and knowing how much pregnenolone I have to take to match the energy levels of a 35 year old. Currently I'm 54, but I definitely have the energy of a 30, 35 year old. Mm. And if I didn't do that adrenal program, I would have far less energy. Um, but that's the whole point. I mean, if Oprah Winfrey was interviewing me and said, do you, have you, have you found the fountain of youth? And I'll go, yeah, I kind of have, you know, I mean, it's not a complete story, but I think if you fix your genetics and you fix your adrenals and get your hormones really, really balanced, then amazing things can, can happen. Well, you just have to look at Kelly. I mean, he, he's just got a stellar track record. I mean, I know he's super talented without a doubt, but statistically he should have burned out 33, 34, but yeah. he just happened to meet the right person at the right time to do the right things. And, and just to tell him, Kelly, buddy, you're burnt out. You're burnt out from, you know, 13 years of the professional circuit. You've got six, you know, major world championship. That's double what anybody else has, you know, and he really took on board the lesson of, you know, prevent burnout, look after your adrenals. And so I know he takes all the herbs that I have recommended to him and the supplements, and he still does it to this day. The lessons that I've impressed upon him, he still carries on. And this is, I mean, he is the epitome of the fountain of youth. You know, his career still goes on. And, you know, I just can't wait to take on more, you know, athletes and say, look, I know for sure as a footballer, you could, if you follow my program, you get another three or four, maybe even five years to your career. Or if it's an actor or a, a pop star, it all comes down to energy and energy is dependent on the adrenal hormones and genetics. If you How get that right, amazing things happen. exciting is that for someone to hear, you know, especially yeah. as an athlete? Um, what's the future for the Mass Clinic? Future for the Mass Clinic is we're actually opening up in, uh, our second branch, which is in London at 58 South Moulton Street. Okay. Um, currently, we're just renting temporary premises there. But I think the long term future is that we're going to get our own premises and be able to set up the sister clinic and actually be able to run it full time. Phoenix, my uh, firstborn daughter, she's uh, 23 and she's now in her third year of osteopathy. She's following the same track as her dad. She's going to qualify as an osteopath. She's then going to get trained up in functional medicine, possibly even go into integrated medicine, and get her doctorate. 
Um, yeah, so she's coming up in the ranks. So she's going to join me as part of the family team. Um, and we will co-manage the two clinics together. Um, I think I'm going to get another functional medicine practitioner to join us as well, because I don't know what's happened, but in the last two weeks, three weeks, there's been an enormous interest. I mean, we're getting new clients through the wazoo right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult because we can't take too many on board. We're starting to build the waiting list yeah. because if we take on too many on board, the, the loop system of the existing patients as they come back for their reappraisals gets thrown off. So we, it's a little bit of a delicate process. And but coming back, back to being superhuman, this is just, you know, at the moment, it's, it's you parting this knowledge. It's kind of great to hear that daughter's following footsteps because you're kind of, you know, uh, you're kind of like Yoda, okay? She's yeah. <laughs> yeah. the ob1 there's luke skywalkers you need yeah. to uh, pass on your jedi skills yeah. <laughs> but yeah you, you can be one i mean that's the whole thing that's what yeah. george lucas was playing at it says you know it's somebody who basically does use the force of the jet the force i mean come on the force and 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 let's talk about the other parallel which is um what was it um chloroquines so, so chloroquines oh yeah he's got a high the highest density of chloroquines you know and, and it, you know but they're just mitochondria they're just analogies for the mitochondria somebody has really good mitochondrial function has abundant energy and i'm and i'm always infrared and i'm always chucking a coq10 in i mean i just need energy and it's how you channel that energy you know and for me it's i think that the whole star wars parallel was true because if you really become a true jedi or, you know, you, it's all about balancing the forces, Luke, you know. It really is about um, the yin and yang. I mean, George Lucas was massively influenced by Joseph Campbell, who was the, the famous author be behind The Hero with a Thousand Faces and The Power of Myth. Mm. And George and Joseph, and Joseph was uh, an anthropology teacher at Sarah Lawrence College in the 70s and 80s. But George was really impressed with him and they started really getting on well. And, and, and so Joseph, in, you know, told George, look, there are some really fundamental myths structure that come down through cultures about the, the war between good and evil. You know, the, the balance between the light and the dark. I mean, it, it goes on forever. It goes on eternally. But the Jedi knows how to balance it. And, yeah, so I do think I'm a bit of a Jedi as a parallel because I know how to balance the forces. And, and it's the forces of yin and yang, the forces of heat yeah. and cold, you know, the warm and the damp. I mean, it really is. And, it, and, and I'll talk to my clients a lot about this, which is, you know, that if they've got chronic diseases, they're in a really deep yin field and they've got to yang up. They've got to use the infrared. They've got to use the mitochondrial resuscitate. They've got to create more energy through the hormonal systems. You know, it's just like putting a, a Bunsen burner under a test tube. You've got to warm it up. And I think it is so important because uh, personal training and my clients as well, it's the case of, you know, I've always reiterated to them, if you're feeling tired today, listen, let's not train. Don't yeah. train. No. It's your body telling you, you know, but how many times people are overtraining, reversibility, you know, they they start crashing and yeah. it's homing in just to listen to your body, understand, you know, let's start, with the real basics real basics you know what yeah. you're feeling how are you sleeping you know uh, and more so it was interesting you touched on it because i started reading a book i was in holiday in st ivan i picked up this book on a shelf and it was uh on, on gut health and uh it was uh I'll, I'll reference to it later but it had the picture of the uh 
pooping on a, you know with a stool raising oh, yeah. up the knees and yeah. it was about the communication of uh you know between the two and actually opening up that chain and the way she explained it was brilliant had a diagram in there as well uh which by the way i work off diagrams on a yeah, it's so visual, very visual. I am visual, I love it. <laughs> That's why I'm always on YouTube. Uh, so, um, but it was just fascinating to to come with that. So now I've got a little blue store. Okay, I've got a little blue store. It's brilliant. It works. Big game changer. Yeah. I think uh, I've got a funny story, which was, um, you know, with uh, Kelly and the exercise, because he's the, he's the best athlete that I've treated of all time. I mean, he is the greatest of all time. But I, I remember having a conversation with him and just literally breaking down, yeah. you know, how he was training. Um, and of course, part of that adrenal burnout that he went through was he wasn't training properly. You know, you nailed it. Uh, it was literally overtraining. And I, and I asked him, I said, look, so how long do you, when, you, when you're preparing for a competition, how long are you training for? And he said, mm, four hours, sometimes eight hours. And I said, yeah, but that's going to create the different type of muscle, though. That's a slow endurance muscle that you're training there. I said, competitions are not like that. It's about who can paddle the fastest, who can take off the fastest. You, you've got to really just, just recode your muscle function. You've got to you encourage fast twitch muscle responses. And then he said, well, how do I do that? And I explained to him how he would do it. And, of course, um, one of the central pieces was that, and this was the nugget that kind of changed it, which was a heat like a competition heat is usually between sort of like 30 and 40 minutes. Mm. And that would be the unit of how much a pro surfer would actually surf for. Mm. And he said, but this is crazy. I said, no, it's not. It's just that you're trying to encourage fast twitch muscle responses. It's not about endurance sessions. That's not what the competition is about. It's about who can become number one, who's the fastest, who can rip the hardest, you know, who can hold the most barrels. Yeah. And it really comes down to energy, but also that performance of the muscle itself you know, you've got millisecond, or not, you know, not even a microsecond to get into the wave. Yeah. You know, and be able to stand up. I mean, and everything's happening so fast and you've got this big barrel coming over. You know, those those microseconds are absolutely important. It all comes down to nerves and reflexes and muscle responses. Mm. And so he changed up his training technique to actually incorporate more like a 45 minute session, then actually be able to whatever, uh, put the electrolytes back in, have the ginseng tea have the banana for the potassium, you know, wait a little bit and then go for another 45 minute session. It comes back to that whole circle, that whole picture. Um, uh, so it's fascinating. And I think what you're doing is iconic because it's the other, it's that, that other side that people want to tap into now. Um, they're starting to move better. Well, I need to figure out what's going inside, in, inside, you know, so I can move. In a fitter. But yeah. are they necessarily healthier? Yeah, you know, that's the question. Like you can you can have really fit, unhealthy people. Exactly. Yeah, there was a, there was there was an osteopath who was at university. This is when I was at university as a student, and um, you know, may he rest in peace. But he, he he's died. The chap I'm thinking of, and he as an osteopath refused to acknowledge. Of course, I mean this is back in the '90s, uh, late '80s, early '90s, um, and he refused to basically believe that food could heal. He said exercise was everything. Is, um, I, I want to say his name, but I shouldn't. No, but, uh, yeah. 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 but yeah, but Mr. A, <laughs> he's, he, I mean, and he really stood, stood out. And of course, you know, you know I'm at university. I'm, I must be like 19, 20 years old. I've already gone through the whole headaches, eczema thing, right? So I know that food is really, really powerful. And I just thought, wow, that is just unbelievable. There's so many other osteopaths and naturopaths that believe that food is a superpower. 
And this one guy just said, nah, do everything with exercise. Do you know, after I qualified, about five years later, I actually heard on the grapevine that he died from a massive heart attack in the gym. <laughs> wow. He was so young. It was just ridiculous. I mean, I laugh at it now, but the irony is he refused to believe in the superpowers of food. Yeah. And he just said exercise. So he was super fit and, and really unhealthy. And and I back in my original podcast, we talked about with Gareth, we talked about being a sponge. You know, you have to just you know challenge states quite you have to learn you have to understand read tons yeah. of books you know and i think that is so so important um i think uh, you know what what's really important for the western mindset and i've learned this because from the you know studying ayurveda and traditional chinese medicine i think the and meditation yoga i think the most important thing is is there really is a goal you have to just remind yourself that it's the goal is balance mm in everything you know it doesn't matter if it's to do with calcium and magnesium or acid and alkaline or you know overtraining bicep and not training tricep enough you know uh you know to do uh, back muscles when you're doing chest muscles so you're always balancing the antagonist and the agonist so i think yeah come back to the point of balance it feels right when things are balanced peace of mind comes through you know so the whole yin yang philosophy is going to start coming a bit more into the western mindset you know how to stay balanced for the rest of one's life little um little takeaways for people um and then i'm going to ask you about kind of any podcasts or your listening is um you talked about your habits but are there kind of immediate takeaways that people listening to this could go um could start doing you know for for better optimum health Oh, what you mean like on a supplement level what could anybody take well, just, uh, just in general i think i think just um i think yeah i think both actually both elements i think in lifestyle habits you know yeah. um yeah and uh supplements is uh, that's a great one yeah yeah so i mean we could do herb food supplement uh lifestyle practice so good herb takeaway right now would be oregano I mean, I think it's really good because it basically does fight viruses and bacteria. Um, you know, so that's really, really helpful. A lot of people eat way too much sugar and oregano will kill off the bacteria that's thriving off the sugar. It'll also kill off candida. And lots of people, you know, are walking around it with silent, you know, candidiasis. I mean, I did for many years. Yeah. Um, so a good herb, a good vitamin would be yeah. something like CoQ10. Okay. It's really, really good because it is the primary molecule that activates the cells and it's really important for the heart. A lot of people unknowingly have CoQ10 deficiencies because they just don't eat enough fish and salmon. And, you know, if they had a kind of like Okinawa kind of Japanese lifestyle, you know, they'd be having lots of CoQ10. But majority of people just don't have that kind of lifestyle. So supplement with it. You know, CoQ10 is really important. Um, a food, a takeaway food that I find is really, really impressive is kiwi. I think kiwi is an unsung hero. Yeah. Really powerful stuff. in ages. Okay. Yeah, it's so good. It yeah. is actually really, really good for anybody who wants to improve their protein metabolism yeah. and, and, and minimizing the risk of heart disease. The reason why is because the body sometimes can produce high levels of homocysteine. And homocysteine is, the, is a protein, it's an amino acid that's broken down from processing protein like methionine. So any protein's got methionine in it. And the way the body breaks it down is it will break it down into homocysteine. But homocysteine is like lava. It needs to be handled with asbestos gloves. And the way the body does that is it does it with beets, a kiwi being one of my favorites. 
It also does it with quinoa and spinach. So those are really superfoods. And it also manages it with B6. So if you want a B vitamin that really helps people, it's vitamin B6. It's really good for preventing, you know, homocysteine going high. And if homocysteine goes high, it can lead to depression, cancers, IBD, and cardiac risk massively increases. But, you know, so many doctors just don't test for homocysteine. And yet it's routine. It's absolutely routine. And if someone's homocysteine is high, and if they have a history of heart disease, then I'm going to call for the genetics. And then I'm going to say, okay, why? What's coming down the family line of heart disease that would explain that each generation is getting high homocysteine and how much B6 that that person and how much kiwi do they have to eat in order to prevent and mitigate that cardiac risk? Mm. So that's kiwi for you. What else? Lifestyle habit. Um, I think walking is really, really good. Walking in nature, forest bathing, just being being with nature, whether it's walking along a lake or next to the sea. I think just give time to do a kind of walking meditation and connect. Yeah. So it's really nice with dogs. It's also really great with company, but it's, it's especially beautiful when you can just do it by yourself. You know, you can just do it all alone. Um, and I, and I say that when someone is alone, they are all one. They have the opportunity to be all one. They're in their own space. They're in their own soul space. And they are literally just walking, breathing, looking, being, you know, just to practice that. And I, I, I really agree with that because, uh, you know, having dogs, hence why that door keeps open because my dog keeps pushing it open. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, going out with dogs just it does get you walking. But interestingly, taking up a little bit very beginner photography, but that's been an eye opener for me for walking out because you, you, what you would normally just walk past, oh, it's a tree, you know, or, you know, it's a bit of nature. Now you, you're homing in on it you're starting to focus on it a little more, you appreciate it more. And, and that for me has been a, been a fantastic thing. Yeah, canine knock there. <laughs> yeah, no, she just closed it. I don't know how she did yeah, that. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think what it really comes down to is what yeah. you're actually getting to, Simon, is the eye of the poet. The eye of the poet. Someone who can really be in the moment and just appreciate a bird song or the way ivy is growing on, on, on that rocky wall, or the way the wind blows in their face and the shape of the guy. I mean, this is the eye of the poet. You know, we live in a society that is so fractured. Everything is so split up into little units. I mean, I'm guilty of it myself because majority of my work is about analyzing blood chemistries and all this data, and I've got to pull it all together. But at the end of it, I know I've got to balance up yin and yang. You know, all that data is all yin. I've got to go out to the yang now and connect with nature and be with my dog, get the energy going, you know. So it really comes down to it's a balance thing once again. Balance I, think, I think that is important because I think tech, uh, whilst we're in this tech age and it's moving forward and tech can do everything for you, I think a good takeaway for people is just to kind of sometimes just get away from it because people yeah. don't, do they? And experience life. I mean, real life, you know, doesn't necessarily be with people. It can be with, you know, pets and places and, and landscapes, but just to connect with nature. Yeah. It, 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 like Deepak Chopra says, it, it connects you to the field of potentiality, you know, and if you start encouraging, you know, more peaceful thoughts, more peaceful uh, situations will come to you. It's like the law of attraction, Joe Dispenza and all of that. I mean, it's just fantastic stuff. Love it. But the key... The book, The Secret. I love that book. 
brilliant it's really really good yeah i love that book. Yeah. yeah you know I, but I, I had a guy actually who did the secret right it's a funny yeah. story and he and, and i said so what was your secret what was your law of attraction uh, and so this is he's he's going back in time and he said well i wanted lots of scantily clad women around me i mean that's that's what i really wanted i just want to be with more women and scantily clad and i said well how did it manifest and he said well i got this fantastic opportunity uh while i was you know surfing in bali and uh, I was doing some yoga on the beach and some one of the spa holders, uh, you know, the owners said, uh, you know, are you looking for some work, you know? And so they gave him a job. And then suddenly he was in this classroom with scantily clad women. And he was just like, oh, my God, this is the secret. I, I, I also dangerously once uh, the yes man did. Uh, I did think I did it for a couple of weeks where I couldn't say no to anything. Yeah. And I'm not going to dive into that. But I got in some very weird situations. But uh yeah, uh, but what it did do out of interest is it opened me up to just lots of things where necessarily I might have been, no, go away, you know, met new people, explored things. Um, so, hey. Um, it's great meeting new people because yeah. in those moments of new people, in that moment, you, you can share and exchange ideas. And sometimes the sharing, exchanging of ideas can be so powerful. It actually changes one's life. Yeah. And you and never know why, who's out there. Yeah, well, that's why I'm actually, you know, it's a bit of a hobby doing this podcast because if it wasn't for doing the stuff I'm learning, it's a, it's an active way of learning, um, yeah. exploring and, and, and meeting like yourself and sharing what you're doing because if it wasn't the case, I, I wouldn't have known. Um, I think it's a good point. Uh, my last little point for you, which is uh, recommended podcasts, uh, books uh, that you suggest to people or things to go out and read and listen to. Uh, I, one thing that I constantly recommend to my clients, um, which of course is very educative, but it's really, really interesting because it blows people's minds, is uh, YouTube, Dr. Zach Bush, Chemical Farming and the Loss of Human Health. Okay. That's I'll a really, really yeah. good one. I, and it really talks about the whole explosion of autoimmune and neurological problems and heart problems and autism since the 1960s and 70s when glyphosate was introduced and it's just gone out of control causes leaky gut leaky brain so i really recommend that one right uh i do i listen to a lot of podcasts from dr mark hyman because yep. he's an absolute hero of I mine he's, yeah yeah, yeah. he's yeah. just an absolute hero really yeah. i mean he's so personable he's like your friendly neighborhood doctor who who really has got good scruples he's got really good values he knows the power of food he knows the human body can heal itself you know if it's just given the right information and the right nutrients so i listen to a lot of his podcasts um other podcasts hmm, not many actually it's just pretty much dr mark hyman you know uh, and you, little plug but you've you're uh transitioning from your instagram into a podcast now right because yeah are... we're making that transition but i can't right. say that i really enjoy listening to myself i mean <laughs> <laughs> Simon. but you'll be interviewing lots of other people i can imagine yeah. you'll have a hyman on it i should, be, I should pra- yeah i should practice in the mirror more often or something like that. but anyway okay. uh yeah uh, what, else? what about books. any books uh books currently that i'm reading i'm reading a really good one on the immune system yeah i mean i can go and grab it but it's a really big one i can't remember the author's name uh, I really just uh, I just finished uh, Michael Pollan's book as well. And then I've now just seen the Netflix series. So I think it's much better than Netflix, uh, series, which was how to change your mind, which was yeah. uh, a journalist's exploration in the vilification of hallucinogens and psilocybins. 
you know, during the 70s, 80s and 90s and the Nixon and the Reagan years and how it's coming full circle and, and, and how the pharmaceutical companies don't really like it simply because of the fact that three micro doses of psilocybin can pretty much eradicate depression and get rid of alcoholism and, ma- and help people make these amazing breakthroughs. And, you know, so but it's really good. So um, reading the book, yeah, it would take maybe a, a month and a half. Sure. Watching the series, it would take an hour, maybe two hours. That's it. You know, so I do recommend that. Um, other things. What else is there that I'm into? Not much at the moment. Um, apart from that, that's it. It's actually really sort of all about the clinic and the practice. I think, they, I think they're great suggestions. Um, I don't want to keep you any longer. I'm going to let you uh, go and wind down for your evening. Uh, and uh, yeah, somebody should have warned me about collies. Collies, basically, you get a collie, you get a free exercise program. That's what goes on. <laughs> you know, and they're ball crazy, absolutely nuts about a ball. But yeah, they keep me busy and I love them. I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. They're just the best and they really are. And for me, you know, uh, I mean, I've gone through Weimaraners. I've gone through Jack Russell's. Now I'm going through the, the collie phase, but it's just, I love dogs. They're just great creatures. They're just, they really are. I love them. Yeah. And, and then another tip is my dogs get the best food. Honestly, they get the best food without a doubt. Ours are the same, actually. Chicken, broccoli. There's, there's all things going on. Sometimes, uh, yeah, some great meals. Yeah, they've, yeah, it's nothing but the best meals for them. They exactly. have really wet noses and shiny coats, and you know, <laughs> I want the best from them. They don't get any grain. Yeah, no grains at all. You know, so it, it really is absolutely, um, it's key because if I look after them, they, they love me more, and you know, have more fun with them. There's more oxytocin, more fulfillment. And, you know, what's really sad is that they're only here for like 14, 15 years. So you have to enjoy each moment, you know, because their lifespans are actually relatively short. So listen, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, you're on Instagram, what what channels you are, what's the best method to get in touch with? Uh... Uh, if they want to really get in touch, it's it's like, you know, get in touch with the clinic, you know, so, uh, via the, the um, uh, website. You know, we've got all the contact us. They can look at www.themasclinic.com. Um, and of course we are on Instagram. We're also on Facebook as well. And so people can message us and, and reach out if they want to their bit. adrenals and guts and genetics and just right. if they want total well-being. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll plug in some links and the reference to your books and so on. Um, Thanks, Simon. Mass, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. For Likewise. Listening. Great. Thanks for being such a great host. Thank you.